Praise God. That was awesome, wasn't it? Amen. Well, praise God. I'm sorry, Brother Ivan's not here with us today, but he's never forsaken us in 25 years, and so I had to cut him some slack and tell him that he could go home and get healed. But anyway, so if you came expecting Brother Ivan this morning and all you got to me, I'm sorry. I'm going to do the best job I can, see if I can't cut the mustard for you this morning. But uh, before I get going, before I get rolling here... um, because I'm believing today for signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm believing for you that today. I'm telling you, if you're hungry for God, I'm going to preach a message to you. The word's going to go out. I'm going to pray for you at the end of service. And I guarantee you can have generational curses broke over your life today if you want. If you want. If you just want to listen to me and just say, wasn't that nice? And enjoy the air conditioning and the lights and the pretty pictures and stuff. Well, then, you know, I'm not going to be able to do anything for you. So I need your participation this morning, Okay. So before I get going, I just want to tell you, I started, uh, um, Keith and I are uh, coordinating different books and things coming in into the uh, bookstore. Listen, if you're not a reader, you need to be a reader. I, I, you know, you can start where I started, right here. God's Creative Power, okay? Little mini book. My mother-in-law back there, you know, God bless her. She was always trying to help me. And uh, when I first started out with the Lord. And before I got saved, she was giving me books and she gave me one of these little mini books. And uh, she knew what I might read. You know, that was about as thick as you could get. And, uh, you know, I was the guy that graduated high school, always did my book report on Cochise because it was the smallest, thinnest book in the library. And so I knew it by heart. So I just went in there and pulled Cochise out. And that's what my book report was on. But anyway, so I wasn't a reader. Not until I got saved, I started reading. And I started with little mini books. And, uh, you know, now, uh, you know, I could read this book right here in about, I don't know, two hours. Now I just can just, I devour a book. I I love to read. And, but if you don't love to read, you need to start right here. But you need to be reading. You need to be challenging yourself. Everybody needs to be going through the bookstore and buying books. Now, Charles Caps is a man that you may be familiar with, may not. But he, the reason why I fell in love with Charles Caps is because Charles Caps is a farmer. Everybody say a farmer. He was a literal farmer, and God called him into the ministry, and he used to do so much ministry on, uh, or or preaching and sermons on uh, sowing and using actual things that made sense to me coming from a ranching and farming background that I did. And so I loved him. He fell in love with his ministry. He's gone on to be with the Lord. But his books, we got a whole bunch of new ones in there, the creative power of the tongue, God's creative uh, uh, gifts. There's all kinds of things in there. You need to go in there. You need to pick them up. You need to get one of them. I mean, this book's $2.49. Change your life, set you free. Guarantee. Amen? So be doing that. Okay. So now um, I'm going to get into the message. And so get your Bibles out. Go to the book of Genesis chapter 17. I knew something was up because, see, I was taking the day off. Brother Ivan's going to preach, and so I was taking the day off, and so I really hadn't thought much about a message, and I got up Saturday morning, opened up my Bible, just doing my own daily reading time with the Lord. I saw this message I'm going to share with you this morning. It jumped out. I said, man, that is some good stuff. I'm going to be a message ahead. So I started writing it all up, and then the phone rings. Brother Ivan said, I can't be there. And I was like, well, okay, I got the message. So. The title of this message is called Flippin' and Floppin'. Actually, no, I'm changing it right now. It's called Floppin' and Flailin'. How about that? 
could be flipping and flopping or flopping and flailing. It's Christians that go around in life that are just, I mean, one day you, you feel like you're saved, you're going to conquer the world, and the next day, you know, you feel like you're not even going to make it into the gates of heaven. And I look over the world today, and I see what's going on, and, I, I, and I'm just going to be honest with y'all, you know? I mean, I, I'm not hiding anything. I tell you everything I think, but... Uh, I've told y'all this from the beginning. I've told y'all this for over a year. We're going on two years now. That everything you see happening in the world today is not about politics. What's going on in the world today is not about Democrats and Republicans. It is not about conservatives and liberals. It is not about the North and the South. Okay? It may feel like that sometimes, but it's not. I'm telling you, this is about God and the devil. This is about coming into the end of the world. This is about the, the end times coming into effect Things that are taking place are biblically written. They're all in there. Go read through the book of Revelation. Go read through Jer uh, Jeremiah. Go read through Ezekiel. Go read through these things. You can look at it. It's laid out that we're coming into a one world government, a one world order. God, these things are happening and taking place. And God is not, listen to me, upset. God's not worried. God's not chewing his fingernails saying, oh my God, who's going to win the 2022 elections? God's not freaking out looking at Jesus saying, what are we going to do about the migrant crisis? He's not flipping out saying, oh my gosh, we didn't figure in COVID. Okay? They're not, God is not freaking out. And what we as Christians have got to do is get into the non-freak out zone. Brother Ivan was told me this. He said, yeah. He said, you can't believe how bad it was. I was on the plane and I started coughing. And he said, everybody sucked up against the windows. I'm like, oh, God, you know. And he kept trying to reassure everybody, I don't have COVID. I don't, I, I, you know, I'm not, I, I just have a, a head cold. I could just have something in my throat. <coughs> oh, God, you know. He said, they thought they're going to throw him out of the plane. You know, eject him out the back. <coughs> you know, the parachute. And I mean, really, if you want to cause chaos today, just go in a store and sneeze. And everybody's just like the Red Sea party. <coughs> Because the world's just full of fear. It's just everybody's hyped up on fear, you know. They got you. They come out and they tell us. Now, listen, folks, you don't get mad at me. Don't turn me off because it's really going to get good here in just a minute because I'm going to talk about breaking generational curses. But I got to talk about this spirit of fear on the world. This spirit of fear. I've been preaching this and preaching this. There's a spirit of fear in the world right now. And people are the, the media is just poking it, hyping it up, man, just putting more coals on the fire, just continually putting out the variant, the variant, the variant. It's more contagious, but not as deadly as the other one. Well, the first one you told us, you, you had a 98% chance of recovery or 99.8% chance of recovery. Well, that's a really good recovery, okay? Now, I'm not playing down the fact that there are people that are sick. There are people in our, that are attached to our congregation that are sick right now fighting for their lives. But I want to tell you something. Fear is not the way to go. Do you know that they're putting out reports now that says that the number one cause and effect of the virus getting out of control is fear they're actually admitting it doctors are actually admitting it while time magazine punched out the variant the deadly virus and everybody reads it and says, oh god we're gonna get it we're gonna die hello but you know as a christian i'm talking to christians this morning all right if you're not a Christian, you're watching or in here today, and you just hang on. But listen to me. I'm talking to Christians today. We're supposed to be faith-filled people. We're not supposed to be fear-filled people. We're supposed to be believing in a God who parts the Red Sea. Hello? But we got Christians today arguing about, you know, all kinds of stupid things and churches splitting and all this kind of stuff going on because the devil wants to create diversions. He wants to create divisions. He wants to create fear in our lives. And we have to be people that are 
faith-filled. That's who we have to be. We have to be Christians and quit sitting around talking, well, I don't know, I don't know why this is happening, I don't know why this is going on. It's end-time events, folks. An hour, I mean, 117 miles from us, there's 14,000 Haitians standing at our border. Okay? How'd they get there? Anybody stop and think about that? If y'all looked at a geography map lately, you cannot walk from Haiti to Del Rio. Y'all thought about that? Somebody put them on a boat, got them there. There ain't no way to get there. Right? Okay. All I'm saying is there's some crazy things going on. We live in some crazy times. But this morning, I want to set you free from all the junk that may have been in your life so that you can be a whole healthy Christian full of faith, and walk on. Does that sound like something y'all want? Okay, so I'm in Genesis 17, 1. It says, when Abraham, or Abram, was 99 years old, the Lord appeared unto Abram, and he said unto me, I am almighty God, walk before me, and be blameless. Okay, so religious people have taken this scripture and used it for years, and said, oh, you walk before the Lord. Matter of fact, in Matthew, it it translates, and be thou perfect. And so we say, oh, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? So, so religious people have taken it and said, oh, you know, here's the Lord. You've got to be so holy and righteous and, you know, uh, and they, they put this pressure on you, okay, that you've got to be perfect. You've got to be blameless. And so I was reading this, and this is what happened to me. I'm reading it, and it just hit me. I just, I mean, it's the way the Spirit of God does. It left off the pages, and I said, huh, isn't that funny that God asked Abraham, or Abram at this time, he hadn't changed his name yet, to be blameless, but he didn't tell him how. He didn't give him an offering. He didn't say, oh, if you go, sacrifice a lamb. And so I went back, I started looking through the scriptures and went back to Genesis 12 when God called Abraham to leave uh, the Ur of Chaldees and to come out. He said, he basically said, I want you to do this. He gave him one thing to do, just leave. (laughs) Just leave this place of rock worshipers and just leave and come over here, and then I'll give you this, and I'll bless you, and all this stuff. All he had to do was leave, okay? <clears throat> and then he says, be blameless. So how could God, the righteous God, tell Abraham, be blameless before me, if you don't know what is not blameless? Think about that. You cannot give somebody a speeding ticket if there is no speeding, you know, zone, sign, appropriated to it. If there's nothing out there and says you can just do whatever you want to, like the Autobahn, you can just drive as fast as you think you can. If you get killed, you get killed. Right? The cop can't stop you and say, oh, you were going too fast. Well, what was the speeding limit? What was the speed limit here? Well, there isn't one, but I just thought you were going too fast. You can't do that. If there's no speed limit, there's no speed limit. So how can God tell Abraham to be blameless if he didn't set up and say, this is what blameless looks like? So it got me to thinking. I said, there's something up about that word, blameless, we got written in there. It's been translated as blameless, but what does it really mean? So I looked up the word blameless. And this is what the, blank, the word blameless means there in that scripture. It means to be complete, whole, entire, sound, health, healthful, healthful, healthy in other words, complete, entire, wholesome, unimpaired 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 nothing can stop you innocent 
having integrity. What is complete or entirely in accord with truth and fact. So what that word means, blameless. Complete, whole, and entire. Now, let's go back and read the scripture again with that in mind. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I am almighty God, walk with me, and you'll be complete, whole, blameless. Do you notice, you see how religious people, religious organizations want to put upon people that you're never quite good enough to be with God. Whatever you do, don't look at God or you'll die, right? You're not worthy to go into the courts of heaven. Who are you, you sinner? You do bad things. And they focus on the, the imperfections, the, the faults, the sins in our lives, saying that we shouldn't have a relationship with God. But God says it this way. He says, come on, Abraham, just walk with me. And when you're walking with me, you're going to become complete and whole. Woo! Think about this, church. He said, just walk with me. And in doing that in our relationship, you're just going to become complete and whole. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bubble off and flow over on you. I'm going to get on you and you're going to want to be like me. I'm just going to, by being with me in my presence, is going to begin to change you. And if you'll just walk with me, you'll be complete and whole. Now, what a lot of Christians are today are not complete and whole. They're wounded. They're just trying to be survivors. And they take survivor mentality and they become grumpy and they become squeaky and they need oil and the oil of the Holy Ghost to keep them going from going all the time. But God's saying, look, I want to make you whole and complete. And if you'll just walk with me, that's what I want you to be. You're, you should be. Listen, <clears throat> if you're a Christian today and you do not have joy in your life, something's wrong. In the story. You say, well, but you don't know how hard my life is. What the Lord has got me walking through is so hard for me to go through. And, and I can just barely make it, but it's just with a little cup of water that he touches my lips. No, you're living in some religious craziness. Because God wants you to be whole and complete. He just said it right there to Abraham. You have a generational curse on your life coming from some vein in your family, all right, coming down for some vein in your family that's got you over mixed up in your relationship with the Lord. And we're going to break that today. Now, I, I, I'm just going to use my friend over here, uh, Miss Muggsy. Her and I are about raising about the two most completely different worlds, right? You were raised in right, proper Boston, proper Boston, proper the proper side of town, like where you get dressed to go to supper, not like we do get undressed to go to supper. <laughs> Hello? We could be no two people in a world more opposite in, in, in culture and in things, you know? We were, we were proud to have dead deer carcasses in our yard. <laughs> Mint hunting season was good and the freezer was full, all right? That was unacceptable in proper Boston. 
But we both love Jesus. We both have a relationship with him. She has some things that she will have to overcome that are going to be not even in my realm of thinking. And I'm going to have some things that I'm going to have to overcome that are not even in the realm of her thinking. Is she wrong or am I wrong? No, we're just, it's just how we were raised and where we were, what, what culture we came from. Are y'all with me? So you can't come up with some idea and say, nope, this is the way it has to be. It has to be this way. No, it has to be variable because we're all in different places, different cultures, different, different things going on. But what the one common thing is, we walk with God and he makes us whole and complete. Okay, so here we go. That's what whole and complete means, all right? So the devil wants to break your fellowship. Right now, the devil wants to destroy America, and he's trying to destroy it through division. So now we got the, the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Lord, it used to just be Democrats and Republicans, and now we got vaccinated and the unvaccinated. So now we got a whole deal. We, you could be an unvaccinated Democrat, and you're in trouble, right? Division. Because the devil wants to divide us. Because if he's got division, then he can get us fighting against each other. And while we're bickering and fighting over who got vaccinated, they done stole everything and run off with the money and got us in trouble and did whatever they're going to do. Because we're over here bickering and fighting. He coughed. I saw him. He didn't have a mask on and he coughed. And we get all, ah. Hello? So... The devil's trying to play this whole thing. Well, he's trying to play you too, and he's been doing it forever. And charismatics came up with this idea, or Pentecostals really, came up with this, this idea, and I'm not saying it's totally wrong, don't turn me off, but about generational curses. And we've had conferences on breaking generational curses, and we've had you know, books and studies and, 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 and you know, all kinds of prophetic conferences over breaking generational curses. And so the theory always was, is that you could be a Christian, born again, say, full of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, reading your Bible and knowing God, but still be bound by generational curse. All right? Well, I'm here this morning to dispel that, kick that, kick that cow right out the room, because I'm going to show you something, and I just want to show you that you're free, that you're free the minute you start walking with God. If you just walk with God, he's going to set you free. But there's just a few things that maybe in life that we have to change that came from our culture. So if your culture came from your father beat your mother, and so therefore you beat your wife, and then now you're wondering why your marriage is not good, you've got a generational curse. Hello? If your father was an alcoholic, and you're an alcoholic, and the same things happened in, in his, your, between you and your mother, and now you've carried it on in your family, yeah, it's a generational curse. But it, what it is, it's a curse of culture. It's how the devil worked it in you. Because see, you could be a non-drinker, never drink, never let alcohol touch your lip, and just be a jerk. And uh, you, so you can't say it's all alcohol. Hello? Okay. So the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus told us that. That's his job, to kill, steal, and destroy. And to do what? Remember in the garden, Genesis chapter 3? He separated the walk that man had in the garden Every evening with God, he separated that by causing them to get into sin, right? Causes them to be aware of their imperfections. Their, I mean, the Bible calls it their nakedness, but it's really their vulnerability there. They were revealed before God. 
When the whole time God's been saying to Abraham, come on, just go walk with me and I'll make you whole and complete. Not get perfect, get cleaned up, get some new skin on, get everything taken care of, and then you can walk with me. No. He said, come on, you walk with me and I will make you whole and complete. And Christians have been sitting around trying to get everything all figured out, trying to get themselves all cleaned up, looking all pretty, get their makeup on. You know, makeup covers up. Okay, it does. You put it on. It's called cover up. You're hiding something that you don't want everybody to see. I'm sorry. Probably should have left that out. But. <laughs> so what the devil wants to do is he wants to, you know, he wants to get this situation with you that you're over here spending all your time trying to get your makeup on and get covered up before you can go with God and hope he doesn't know when he already knows. Right? He already knows. And so, so the devil's deal is, he said, okay, I just need to get them to not walk in with God because if they walk with God, they're going to be whole and complete. And I don't want them whole and complete. I want them crazy. I want them not fulfilling their Christian life, not fulfilling their Christian walk. Mm, mm, mm. I had a person the other day, they, they were complimenting me in, in the ministry. And they said, I just want to say, I've never seen anybody like you. I've been in church all my life. And, and, you know, uh, you're about as unorthodox as I've ever seen. You're just, you know, and, and, and so there's some people that can't take it, right? I'm too unorthodox. I'm too untraditional. They want a, a, a you know, a little sermonette, and they want it to be just like this, and, you know, and they don't want it to be whatever, and so they can't take it, but, but, but see, this is what the devil's using to get them separated, all right? Because that's what he wants to do. He wants to get a seed sown into your life that will separate. He wants you to get your seed put in you that God's not going to take care of you. When you go walking with him, you're not going to be complete and whole. Or he may find something out, like you're walking with God. He's talking to him, and God looks at him and says, what is that on your nose? And you're thinking he can't see it because you put the cover up on. So the devil, you know, he wants to steal the seeds of God's word. He wants to steal those seeds and plant his own seeds in your life. Seeds of failure, seeds of rejection, seeds of, uh, of, 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 of incompetence, seeds of, of vulnerability, seeds of inferiority. That's what he wants to sow in your life. And then that's what he wants to use to keep you away from walking with God. And then the Christians magnify it and call it a generational curse and say, you've got to go through all this stuff in order to be free. And I'm going to set you free here in just a minute. Well, not me. The Holy Ghost is. You can go through Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Let me move along here. You can just go look at that. Mark 4, 13, the parable of the sower, right? What does it say? The devil comes immediately to steal the word that's sown in your heart. Why would the devil care about the seed that's sown in your heart if he wasn't worried that it was going to produce and do something for you? I was a, man, I was a, a beer drinking drunk fighting cowboy that loved to just chew tobacco and get in a fight in a bar and dance. <laughs> All went together, dancing and fighting, you know. And, uh, and I loved it. I mean, it was a highlight of my Saturday night to go out and do that. But then one day I met Jesus. And Jesus touched me, man. He changed my whole life and everything just in one, I mean, could not get turned around going the other direction it's fast in an instant, in a second, in a moment. Boom. I was too unreligious 
had no doctrine, had no nothing in me to even think that God didn't want me. Because he called me, I just like, man, I got in the car. Right? I wasn't asking which seat to sit in. I just crawled in the back and said, let's go, Lord. I never would have thought that he would have rejected me. Why would he have called me? It wasn't in my thinking. The devil couldn't sow a seat in there because I had no place of anything in my heart. I just crawled in and said, oh, man, God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, wants to talk to me. <laughs> Howdy, Father. And I just bellied old right up like bellying to the bar up at the throne and said, hey, Dad, what's going on? And just started learning, started reading the Bible, started growing. I said, I didn't know we could do this. He's just, yes, how will you do that? Oh, all right. I didn't know. I didn't know you. Like I was an uncultured swine and shouldn't be there compared to what religious people would have told me. I just showed up. Hello? So the devil couldn't get any seeds sown in my heart because I didn't even know anything about this stuff. I just, man, just so happy to be at the throne, be happy to be able to talk to God, happy to be able to read my Bible. Had no religious unlearning. It's glorious. Well, the devil wants to take the seed that is sown in your heart that keeps you from just walking with God and being made complete and whole. And he wants to turn it all in. And if you're not just going to get rid of it, you're just going to turn it all into some kind of religious jargon, some kind of religious hoopla to get you all caught up to getting off so that you become like Adam and Eve. And when you hear the voice of God walking in the cool of the day, you run and you hide because you're naked, you're vulnerable, you're exposed. That's his whole plan, folks. That's his whole plan. All right? So I want you to go now to 1 Peter 1.18, 1 Peter 1.18. Now you think about this. You think about this. God says to Abraham, come on, walk with me and I'll make you whole. And then so that goes along for hundreds of years and then all of a sudden God brings up Moses because man decided that they really needed somebody to lay out some law for them so that they could... Be perfect by works. Now, Moses is truly one of the most amazing men in the Bible because, for several reasons, but to be able to put all this together, what God said, and he had to be a very detailed personality. I mean, how many of y'all are going to sit up there while God gives you 3,000 covenants and ordinances to, to, to list? It wasn't just 10 and all the screws and how many bolts you need. I just said, God, come on, let's just throw some nails in it. Let's go. I would have never been able to handle the detail of all of that building, of all that structure. Okay? So, anywho, all of this, his ministry, though, was all brought about to show man they could not be righteous before God by works. So it's kind of a downer when you look at it, because your whole ministry and all that you did was simply to show man they couldn't do it. All right? But then, of course, there's these religious people that are trying to still do it. I became, listen to me, I became the person that I am today my, with the integrity, the uh, value of what's right and wrong, the person I, that, the, the way I see things, all because I spent time with my father, my earthly father. I saw him doing deals. I saw him... You know, I worked with him. I was always with him as a kid. And I, I just saw my father. He never cheated, never stole, never lied. Now, if you're a person that's been raised where you father cheated, lied, and stole, then and that's what you saw, 
then that's a generational curse that can come in your life. The devil will keep bringing that up to you, but you can be free here in just a minute. All right? I was blessed by that. I never tried. I didn't have to try to, to make my father my, my father. He had me. Y'all follow me? I didn't have a choice. I was born into this world to my parents. I'm your kid whether you like it or not. Hello? Okay. When we get that revelation that we're born into the family of God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, and we're in the family, whether the rest of the family members like it or not, it don't make no difference. It says in 1 Peter 1.18, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct, received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I I got born into the family of God because of my faith and my belief in Jesus, and I'm in the family of God, and I'm headed to heaven, and I'm going to go through the pearly gates, and my name's written in the Lamb's book of life because I made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm in. I'm not going to be thrown out. God set the rules, believe in Jesus, confess with your mouth and believe in him, and you'd be saved. That's what happened. He touched my heart. I'm in. Ain't nothing nobody can do about it. Amen. Biggest high-hatted religious leaders of the world can get together and say, look at you. You're an uncultured swine. You have no rights to do what you do or say what you do. Don't make no difference. I'm in the family. Y'all can just complain all you want to. I'm in the family. I'm in. Nothing you say can do anything about it. So I say to the devil when he comes to me and begins to lie to me. The other day, I got to tell you this, because this happens to all of us, and I just need to tell you this. There's a vision I had once in my life uh, about the end of my life and about standing before the gates of heaven. And it's a beautiful vision, and it's a beautiful dream, beautiful, beautiful thing to hold on to. And the other day, the devil tried to steal it from me. And this is how funny it was, is in in the vision that I saw, I was standing before the gates of heaven, and there was about 12 of us is all there was. About 12, waiting for the gates to open. The gates opened and, the, and opened up and the bright glory of God shone out. And I turned around and looked behind me and there was just, just millions of people behind me. So I knew that those people had something to do by getting saved through Living Waters Church and everything that the church has done or whatever, that those people were out there. Well, the devil came to me and they said, how, how do you know those people were out there? There's only 12 of you. Maybe you spent your whole life and there's only 12. And I said, you know what? That's what the devil said to me. And I started laughing. I said, you know... <clears throat> I didn't look, and I didn't see you anywhere around. And it don't make no difference there's just 12 of us, because I heard the Lord say, well done, that good and faithful servant. So if it's only 12, it's only 12. If it's a multitude, it's a multitude. But I didn't see your ugly face anywhere around when I was going into heaven, and you're going to be going to hell. So why don't you just shut up and get out of my life? Boom, it was over with. Man, it's gone. No, didn't torment me no more. You see, the devil wants to do that to you. He wants to take what's something that's beautiful, and then he wants to steal it, and he wants to twist it. He wants to turn it. He wants to bring you in bondage. Why? Because he doesn't want you to walk with God. He doesn't want you to have fellowship with God. He doesn't want you to just, just get up in the morning and say, hey, Father, how you doing? You know, he doesn't, doesn't want to have coffee with the Lord. He doesn't want you to read your Bible. He doesn't want any seed of God's word to be sown in your heart because then he knows it's going to come to pass. So he wants to steal. But you're not redeemed with corruptible things. You're not in the family one day and then out. You're either in or you're out. You're not in 
and then you could fall out. You're either in or you're not saved. Hello? Are you with me? Well, you've been redeemed with precious things, incorruptible things. You have a right to go to the throne. You have a right to talk to Jesus. You don't have a right. You have no, 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 there's no rights for the devil to come in and steal from you. You've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus, but the devil wants to break this fellowship. So this is where we get into these things called generational curses. He uses things that are familiar to you. Okay, like I said, Miss Muggsy over here, she's got some, some, some things that are familiar to her that I've never even heard of. Hello? There's some things probably that she, she experienced in her life in high Boston that I don't even know what she's talking about. Y'all with me? So the devil's going to, he can't take the same things that he would try to use against her and use against me. It ain't going to work because I'm like, what are you talking about? Right? Okay. So we call them generational curses. But Jesus said in John 8, 36, he says, man, when the son makes you free, you're free indeed. So either you're free or you're in bondage. Think about this. You can't be free and bound at the same time. How could that work? And this is where Christians get this wrong. You cannot be free and bound at the same time. But you can be free and listening to the devil. It's a difference. You can be free, but you're not walking in your freedom. Because, folks, if Jesus made you free, then you're free indeed. Galatians 3.13 and 14. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. If I'm redeemed from the curse, then how could I be in bondage to the curse? How could I have a generational curse on me if I've been redeemed from the curse? The only way that could happen is I'm still walking in the curse. By my own free volition, my own free will. Because I haven't been walking with God to see that that's not what pleases him. And, it, and, and walking with him has made me whole and complete. Look at what it says. That Jesus, that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, curses everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through him. What did, you notice it says that the blessings of Abraham? Did it say the blessings of Moses? Did you notice that? Blessings of Abraham come upon you? The Bible says Abraham was rich in cattle, gold, and silver. The blessing that was upon Abraham was everybody that blesses you, I'll bless, and everybody that curses you, I'll curse. That was a blessing on Abraham. He says, as many as the stars of God. Can you imagine this being 100 years old, and God says you're going to have your first kid, and go outside and look up at the stars, and that however many you see there. And I, I was reading it the other day, and listen, look into the words. He didn't say that's how many children you're going to have. He says that's how many nations. You're a father of many nations. I'm going to create nations from your 100-year-old, and you got one kid, and he's not even on the ground yet. And you're going to sit there and believe God for nations. Woo! God said it. He'd pull it off. He did. A couple of more scriptures here. Proverbs 26.2. It says, like a flitting sparrow and a flying swallow, so a curse without a cause shall not alight. Listen, a curse can't alight on you if there's no place for the curse, but if you go give place to the curse, it can alight on you. If you stick your finger in the light socket, it's going to shock you. And if you pull it out and you say, boy, that hurt, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And then you try it one more time. 
Well, folks, the answer is quit sticking your finger in the light socket. And so you keep thinking things should be this way because you want to do something a certain way and you keep getting all beat up over it. Well, then quit doing it. Walk with God and let him make you whole and complete. Proverbs 26, 11, a little bit of a worse sounding one. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Listen to me. Quit being the dog that keeps returning to his own vomit. Stop it. If you keep talking ugly to your wife and you keep getting the same response, quit it. She's not responding to that kind of attention. Okay, now let's go for a really wild one here. Ezekiel. Go to the book of Ezekiel 13. Y'all just hang with me here. I'm trying to hurry, hurry and get through with this. I thought this morning I wasn't gonna, this message wasn't going to last but about 15, 20 minutes, and it's going along. Ezekiel 13, 17. The Lord speaking, he says, Likewise, son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own heart. Prophesy against them and say, Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the woman who sew magic charms on their sleeves and make veils for the heads of the people of every height to hurt souls. To hurt souls. Will you hunt the souls of my people and keep yourselves alive? Let me tell you something. You may not like this, but I'm going to tell you something. There is, there is a legion of demonic angels who do nothing but hunt souls and try to trip you up. You say, what are you talking about? There's devils and they're after me? Yeah, they are. There's also an innumerable multitude of angels on your side. But there's always some stupid devil going to want to trip you up. You got to get smart. I had to go to San Antonio uh, this week. And so I conned my wife into driving because I just knew I could feel it. I could feel it that there was there was just devils waiting to jump on me to get into road rage. I knew I'm vulnerable to that. I knew it would happen. So I was just like, I'd like to have a nice day with you. And, 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 and I, 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 but I, you're going to have to drive. And I sat there. Guys, I sat there even when we pulled into parking lots. And I was like, why didn't she park there? Lord. And I just let it go. Roll off me because I didn't want to get the dem- I didn't want to give the devil place. The Bible says, don't give the devil place. I didn't, I have, I could lean to a generational curse of road rage. But I was smart, outsmarted the devil. She drove. And I did really well, didn't I? I, We pulled in the wrong place every time, in my opinion. I didn't say nothing. I didn't say nothing. Drove like a wild, crazy woman, whipping around and everything. I'm saying nothing, man. Just kept my mouth shut. Just sat there. Love you, Jesus. No devil going to get me today. Because there's devils that want to hunt your souls, folks. They want to get you to get smart. He says, will you hunt the souls of my people and keep yourselves alive? And will you profane me among my people for the handful of the of barley and a piece of bread, killing people who should not die and keeping people alive who should not live by your lying to my people who listen to lies. Do not listen to lies, church. Listen to me. You can't right now. Listen to me. I'm sorry. I don't care if you have a favorite newscaster, whatever. You cannot trust them. 
I'm just telling you. You say, oh, pastor, you're a conspiracy theorist. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm telling you there's lies going off. It's hard to know what the truth is. You have to really sit down and look at stuff and pray about what really is the truth. Okay? And so just don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe it until you've challenged it with the word. Hello? Don't believe it. I'm telling you, don't get into fear because there's a devil out there and he's wanting to put out lies so you believe the lies and you want to believe truth. So every day you need to wake up and you need to say, Lord, I thank you today. I want to hear wisdom and I want to hear truth. I'm believing you for wisdom and truth. If not, you're going to get all twisted up. Hello? I was listening to a, 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 a talk show uh, host the other day interviewing a person who was pro-choice. And, and I was listening to them, and they were just, they were just distraught over the, the heartbeat bill here in uh, Texas. And they were just distraught, saying how horrible this was for women, and all this like this, and la, 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 la. And they were just going through this whole rigmarole and just going down and going down and going down and just listening to this case. And they said, it is the, and, and the woman said it out of her mouth, it's, it should be the woman's right to take the life of the child that was in her. And I was just like, what did you say? You just admitted that it was a life. You admitted that it was a child. And I was like, did anybody else catch that? And I thought to myself, what? If you're saying that out of your mouth, you're really thinking that? How much, how much lie could be sown in you that you believe that's okay? That was my point. But you see, it happens. The more you believe a lie, the more you believe it's the truth. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm against your magic charms in which you, it, by which you hunt souls. They're like birds. So I want you to know this morning that God is against every generational curse, every lie, every cultural thing, every lie that's ever been sown in your life. The almighty God who created heaven and earth and all the rent is against that. Hello? He wants you free. He wants you walking with him. He wants you going out there in the garden, going out there and becoming whole and complete because you're just walking with him. He says, I will tear them from your arms and, and let the souls go and the souls hunt that you hunt like birds. I will also tear off your veils and deliver my people out of your hand. You see, God has deliverance for you and there shall no longer be his prey in your hand. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. God wants to show himself strong to Christians today if they would just let him. He says, because with lies, you have made the heart of the righteous sad whom you have uh, and I have not made sad and you have strengthened the hand of the wicked that does that he does not turn from his wicked ways to save his life. Therefore, you shall no longer envision futility or practice divination, for I will deliver my people out of your hand and you shall know that I am the Lord. God wants you delivered today. God wants you free today. God wants you happy today. God wants you in peace today. God wants his mercy upon you today. God's hand wants to come upon you and set you free from generational curses, lies that have been sown in your life if you want it. If you don't, then you can remain miserable. Hello? But if you just be free, just be free. Just be free is all God wants. And walk with him. Now, you know, I, I, I've said this. I've used this example before. You know, if, if I was called to a, I don't really know what the place would have to be that might intimidate me. But um, 
you know, some highfalutin fancy place. You know, I don't know where that would actually be. I used to say the White House, but now the White House wouldn't intimidate me. <clears throat> but, you know, someplace where I felt like I was underdressed or undercultured or didn't know which fork to use or, you know, something of this nature. Right? Would Go to Boston proper. It would make me a little, un, it would make me a little uncomfortable. Okay, just think about this. It would make me a little uncomfortable to be in that situation and possibly might think I was, you know, I didn't fit in. But if somebody invited me, <laughs> shame on them. If somebody called me from proper Boston and said, I was watching your broadcast and how do you do? That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. I want you to come up here to Boston proper. And I've got, I want you to, be, you know, come to this dinner party we're having. Well, shame on them. They shouldn't have invited me. Right? So I go up there wearing whatever I want to. I'll get my biggest hat. I brush it off before I go, you know, but uh, shame on them. Shame on them. But I'm in the kingdom of God. Same way. I accepted the invitation God gave me. I made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life, and I'm in the family of God. And ain't no devil in hell going to tell me what's right or what's wrong. Ain't no religious person going to steal from me because I'm going to walk in the garden with my daddy. And whatever they want to do, they can go jump in the lake. And if they want to go put, up, put on makeup over there and hoop and holler and do whatever they want to go do, it's fine with them. But I'm just going to go walking with daddy. I'm just going to take a little like going out bird hunting, you know, just kind of going out, just having a little fellowship, a little time. And we'll just talk about it, shoot some birds, do whatever. I imagine they shoot birds in heaven, got doves. Are y'all with me? I'm not going to let intimidation, I'm not going to let the, the devil come into my life and, and, and tell me I'm not worthy to go be with my father and tell me that, I don't, that I'm under condemnation, I'm not good enough. I'm just going to walk with him and let him make me good. Right? I got redeemed by the blood of the lamb. I'm in. Let's just go walk with him. There's no generational curse that me. Oh, my past is so shameful. I repented of it. I got free. I don't have any place in me. I want to find, you know, but like I said, the devil, he gets pretty sneaky every once in a while and tries to sneak up and work his way back in to keep me from walking with the Father or get in fear. But, you know, that's not what we're going to do. Last scripture is Romans 12, 1. You know, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So, folks, we do have to have a part in this. Okay? Now, if I called you up and said, look, like, eventually, eventually, we're going to have a, a prayer track out here around this field. And we're going to get it put in. But I keep changing things about the time we get it all laid out, and then the, the, the track don't work no more. And uh, it's not a prayer, it's a prayer track. It doesn't have anything to do in getting healthy. It's all about prayer. <laughs> but my point is, is we're going to, if I invited you today, I want you all to come out here and walk with me on the prayer track. And then, well, I'm going to be out there at 4 o'clock. And then you sat at home and thought, well, pastor invited me to go to the prayer track, but I don't know if pastor really wants him to come out there or not. 
you know, I'm not really the best prayer person. I don't really know if I, he'd really want me with me, and I don't know if I want to go. And so then you don't go. And then I see you and said, hey, I missed you the other day. And you, and, and you said, yeah, I, just, I, I didn't think you wanted me. And I said, no, I want you to come. Come on. I said, well, I'm inviting you. And we keep going over this, and you don't ever show up. I, I'm, I hate to tell you, it's your fault. That's what renewing your mind's all about. Some of you have been lived, lived under religious circles, and you don't think that you have the rights and the privileges to be sons of God. You don't think that the Scripture applies to you, that you can go ask the Father anything and He'll do it for you. You don't think that you really have that right. You've kind of begged God. You've kind of wanted God. You've kind of asked Him to do some things, but you, know, you don't really think that you have the right to do that because of religious things in your life. That's your curse. That's the generational curse on your life. It's keeping you from the throne of God. Some of you have prayed and you've had disappointments in life and things didn't happen like you thought they would. And so therefore you've fallen into a deal that you're not going to talk to God because you're kind of mad at him. That's a generational curse. You got it from somebody in your family line that's been coming down there that's also hard-headed. Hard-headedness is not a gift of God. It's close to long-suffering, but it's not. Okay? Hard-headedness can just be rooted in pride and not really have anything to do with God, okay? You just want your way. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to just put your Bibles up, and I want you just to stand up. I want to have the prayer team come down right now and just be up here so if there's anybody here that you need prayer other than what I'm praying for you. But this is real simple. This is like a mass deliverance all at one time. The Lord told me I could do this, and so that's what we're going to do. And it all has to do with you. If you want every generational curse broken over your life, all you have to do today is simply this. As I pray, all you have to do is just lift your heart to the Lord and say, God, I want to walk with you. I don't want this garbage in my life. The moment you turn your heart on, the Spirit of God will set you free. Okay? He'll set you free instantly. It'll just boom. It'll go. Now, you're going to have to renew your mind to the Word of God. You're going to keep letting the, you know, keep walking that walk and don't let the devil talk you out of it. But you'll be free right now. Because the blood of Jesus is more powerful than any lie that the devil has. And if you want to be free, you're free. There's no way you can't be free. Okay? So I'm going to pray for you. And you just, you out there that want to be free, everybody out there watching and listening, you want to be free, you just get your heart and faith right now. Because, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I just pray. Lord, I pray for a mass deliverance right now in everybody's heart. Because you said, Jesus, whom you set free, oh, they're free indeed. So I declare right now, in the name of Jesus, every generational curse broken over every person listening and watching this message today. I declare that the anointing of God goes forth right now, and Lord, it becomes so real to them how the devil has fooled them, has tricked them. The wicked wiles of the enemy have come into their lives and stolen them from just walking with you in the day and you making them whole and complete. Right now, we denounce that in the name of Jesus. We declare we want to be free. We declare, Lord God, we want to be free today indeed. 
that no devil in hell can hold us bound. No lie of the enemy can have its place in our life. No spirit of fear can rest on us. But I declare today that we are the redeemed of the Lord. I declare your blood speaks over our lives that we are the redeemed of the Lord. I declare today that every curse has no place, cannot alight. <clears throat> no matter what our culture is, no matter where we came from, no matter how bad our past may be. I just declare today that we're going to walk with God and be free. I declare today by the blood of Jesus, every curse is broken. I declare it right now. I declare it right now. I declare it right now. I say, Lord, free, free, free indeed. No longer can they be tormented. No longer can they be vexed. No longer can they be, be just taken away from your presence. But I declare today, Lord God, they're free. And whom the sun set free, Lord, is free indeed. Whoo! Thank you, Jesus. And everybody say with me, say, I'm free. I'm free. Every generational curse is broken. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to, I'm going to learn from him. And he's going to make me whole and complete. Amen. Now look at the person beside you and say, man, that was a good message. Now, I'm not through yet. <clears throat> I want you to grab that person's hand beside you. I want you to look at them. Listen to me. I want you to look at the person. I know this is a little complicated because you have somebody. Everybody has somebody on your left and right. Do a little fast. I want you to look at the person to your left and your right. And I just want you to say, isn't it good to be free? Now we're going to set our agreement that we're going to stay free. So, Father, I just ask you, as we're joining hands in here as a sign of unity, Lord, people out there watching are joining hands as a sign of unity. I declare, Lord God, that we're going to keep our freedom. We're going to walk in our freedom. We're declaring it right now. We're standing as a congregation, Lord, all together, one with the other, all pulling together, Lord God, that we're not going to be lied to, that we're free, and we're going to stay free. And, Lord, I ask you to bless them. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. If anybody wants other prayer, we're here to pray with you.